What did Jesus teach and proclaim most in the Bible? When Jesus walked the face of the earth, he had a message. He taught and he preached. He proclaimed a message. What was it that Jesus taught? What did he teach? Anybody want to take a guess? Well, yeah, you know, I mean, there are things. Now, check, that's a great one. He did teach that, Paul. He absolutely taught for us to love our neighbor. He taught for us to love God above everything else. But I find it interesting that these teachings that Jesus did not spend a lot of time on are the things that we sum up the entire ministry of Jesus with. Like, for the most part, when we sum up the entire ministry of Jesus, we sum it up by saying Jesus taught for us to love. And yes, he did. He absolutely did. But what did he teach most? What did he teach most? Well, I'm just going to just, let's fill in the blanks here. I've got some blanks here. Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God 50 times within the book of Matthew alone and 126 times within the gospels alone. So what did Jesus teach and proclaim most in the Bible, he taught the kingdom of God. We should have a slide up there. He taught the kingdom of God. Okay, so I'm going to ask you that one more time, and I want you guys to just answer this by repeating that, because it's very important that you get this. What did Jesus teach the most? The kingdom of God. Jesus taught the kingdom of God. We have to understand that. We have to to memorize that. I want to read some passages to you. Probably going to go through about five or six passages um, just to give you some groundwork to verify that this is what he taught the most. Now, what I want to encourage you to do, because I don't think these are up on the screen, I want you to write these uh, scripture references down uh, on your note sheet just so you can have these. Okay, Mark uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 14 and 15. Uh, Mark 1, verse 14 and 15. It says, Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Okay, so Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. And depending on what your version is, it might say the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is here. Okay, Jesus is saying the kingdom of God has come, is what he's saying. Repent, repent, and believe in the gospel, the good news. This kingdom of God, this message that Jesus preached is good news. It's really good news. And we're going to get into why it's good news here. Luke chapter 4, verse 43. Luke 4, 43. You can mark this in your Bible or write this down. The God, scriptures for you to have. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. That's massive right there. Like, that's massive. Like, why did Jesus come? He came to die on the cross for my sins. Predominantly, we say that. Yes, that was part of his mission. But Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 4, he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities for, for, uh, also, for I was sent for this purpose. Okay, that's Luke 4.43. Luke 8.1. Here's what 8.1 says. Uh, Soon afterwards, he began going around from from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. And the twelve were were with him. Luke 9, verses 1 through through 2. 
And he called the 12 together, his 12 disciples, and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. And to perform healing, okay? So we see there that this message was duplicated through those who were closest to Jesus. So what Jesus did is he did not only proclaim what his purpose on earth was for, but he also shared that proclamation and that mandate with his disciples to go out and do the same. To go out and do the same. Now it's important too that we uh, note, which we'll get into this in a future message, the fact that what follows the proclamation of the kingdom of God is healing. So this is why it's so important for us to get this. See, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, and healing will come to your sick body, whatever that thing is for you. I don't know what that thing is for you. And healing will come to your sick mind. Okay, whatever that thing is for you. But we, we always see what follows the proclamation and the teaching of the kingdom of God. Um, we always see healing following that. Just so powerful. So powerful. So Jesus is known for his healings. He's known for the miracles that, he, that he's done. But see, it's, it's not. So this, this is why it's important that we get this, because when we come to the Lord um, in prayer and we come to him for healing, um, we, we, we've got to come to him also with an understanding for his message. Because when we get this message, then the healing will begin to manifest within our lives. Okay. Um, so, so, yeah, he collects the 12, he sends them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. Acts 1-3. Acts 1-3. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Because what Acts 1 is showing us here, what we've seen, and the reason why I've shared these passages with you is because it gives us a chronology of Jesus' life and his ministry. First, Jesus, his very first, the first thing Jesus ever said in ministry, his first sermon, if you will, his first words of his first sermon was, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Believe. That's what Jesus said, right? So I shared that passage with you first. We see a chronology. Jesus, he thrusts into the scene on ministry, uh, instructs the people, repent. In other words, stop. Stop. Repent. Stop. Because something that I'm about to say is going to reconstruct your life like, every, like nothing else in this world has ever been able to. That's what Jesus is saying. Repent. Stop. Because something's going to transform your life. The kingdom, of hand, the kingdom of heaven is here. Believe. Believe. And then he moves on and he gathers a people unto himself, his disciples. And he gives them that same instruction and he sends them out. And then after sending out the disciples, we know Jesus goes to the cross and he dies on the cross. But he rises from the dead. And upon his resurrection from the dead, the resurrected, the resurrected Jesus in Acts 1-3 says... To these, he also presented himself alive. This is the resurrected Jesus. After his suffering, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. What did Jesus do after he rose from the dead? He hung out on earth an extra 40 days. Why? Not because he just, you know, you know he wanted to hang out with the disciples a little longer. No, he wanted to make sure that before he departed and left the Holy Spirit, that there was a, a real good understanding of the message he came to preach. 
And that message was the kingdom of God. It's Acts 1-3 says that right there. It's what he did those, during those 40 days. He showed them a series of convincing proofs and really just taught them the kingdom of God. All right. The title of this message, by the way, is What Matters Most. What Matters Most. That's the title of today's message. What mattered most to Jesus was that. It was the proclamation and the teaching of the kingdom of God. And it, and it, and it, and it was a committed teaching and proclamation. It wasn't, just like, it wasn't just like, hey, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. See you guys later. Peace. I'm out. Like, no. It's like, I'm, I'm going to walk you through this. I'm going to spend as much time as I can with you on this because you got to get this. You got to get this. Acts 28, um, verses 30 through 31. This is speaking of the Apostle Paul. It says, and he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. This is, now Christ has already ascended to heaven, right? He spends the 40 days after resurrection, the extra 40 days. I want to make sure you guys get this kingdom of heaven thing. Here's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to the right hand of the Father. He has this encounter with the Apostle Paul to proclaim the gospel. The Apostle Paul sets up, sets up shop, so to speak. And we see in Acts 28, the Apostle Paul saying, hey, my, now, now you got to understand this. Paul was under... Um, he was in chains at this time, so he was under house arrest. But, but what they allowed Paul to do was have people come and visit him. All right? it's like if you're, has anybody ever been in house arrest before? I never have, but from what I understand, for people who are on house arrest, if you've got an ankle monitor on you, you can still have visitors. Right? This is Paul. He's got the ankle monitor. And, but he's inviting people over. He's saying, yeah, I'm here. I'm in chains. I'm stuck at home. But if you want to hear about this message of the kingdom, come and listen. And not only did people come and listen, but even the Roman guards would come and listen. And the Bible says that Paul was teaching this day and night. And he stayed there for two years teaching this message of the kingdom of God, which is just crazy. He stayed in this house for two years, day and night, teaching the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God with all openness. Everyone's welcome. doesn't matter what you believe, who you are, what you think. All welcome, all with all openness, unhindered, totally unhindered. Now, now you, when we get into understanding the kingdom of God, you're going to really understand what that means. All openness and unhindered. And, and I think it's going to really just open up some things in your life. Here's the second question that I have here on your, sheet, on your note sheet. It's this. So we, we, we have an understanding. What did Jesus teach? What did he proclaim? He taught the kingdom of God, hands down. We, we can't get away from that. That's what he taught most, okay? Um, now, why did, why did the kingdom of God matter most to Jesus? Why did he spend so much time uh, teaching the kingdom of God? Why did Jesus spend so much time teaching the kingdom of God? Why did it matter most to him? The Bible, when we look at the beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis is really a, a story of, of kingdoms. It's a story of kingdoms. And I love how you put it, Sheridan. It's a game of thrones. Book of Genesis chapter 1 and 2, what we see happening here is we see God, the king and creator of the earth, establishing his rule over everything he's made. He creates the earth. And the love and compassion of God to create man in his likeness, in his image, speaks to just 
just how sharing God is and caring he is. Like, he, he is a giving God, guys. He is a giving God. He loves us. And, he, and not only does he share his likeness with man, but he, he shares dominion with them. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, it says there that God gave them dominion over the things of the earth and he encouraged them to multiply the entire earth. So in other words, God's saying, hey, this power and this role that I'm giving you is, is different from any other animal that I've ever created on planet earth. You know, if you were an alien and you just came to planet earth and you just saw a collection of animals and there was a human being within the animals, you would just think they're all animals. But us... We put animals in zoo cages and we separate them from us. Because why? Because animals are different than us. They don't have the role and dominion and power and authority over this earth that we have. Yeah, I mean, you cross a lion, you might get ripped to shreds, all right? But, but that lion doesn't have the functions and the motor skills that you have to lead and to produce and to expand and to create your own space and to multiply, and to be fruitful. That line doesn't have those things. We have those things. Why? Because God gave them to us. He shared that dominion rule with us through those things that he gave us. So here's what happens. God, all loving and sharing, creator, king of the earth, creates rule and reign upon earth, creates man, shares his, his likeness with man, shares dominion with man, gives them dominion over the earth, and tells them this. Hey, there's one thing. See that tree in the middle of the garden? I don't want you touching that. It's the tree of knowledge, of the knowledge of good and evil. I want you to stay away from that. Why? Because God's hope was that mankind would produce, mankind would rule the earth that he made for them with total reliance upon the reign of God. It's like God says, I'm your king, I'm your creator, but I'm not lording it over you. And that I'm holding all the wealth, I'm holding all the power, I'm holding all the creativity, I'm holding all the ability to comprehend and create and expand. I'm giving that to you too, to do that. But all I ask is that you rely on my wisdom as king and ruler over your life. And so what man did when they disobeyed God and ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge, the tree of good and evil, is their eyes were opened to what good and evil was. And what happened was, and God knew this was going to happen, and this is why he told him to stay away from that. What happened is the game of thrones began. The battle, the battle of kingdoms began. Because now man has an idea of what is good and evil. And man says, huh, that's, yeah, that's supposed to be bad, but I don't think it's bad. It feels good. So here's what man does. Man says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to create our own kingdom and our own system of values that determines what is good and evil in our eyes according to what we feel. So now the earth begins, not the way that God always intended, with two kingdoms. Two kingdoms. The kingdom of God, his rule and his reign. And the kingdom of man. The kingdom of man. Um, Jesus... Jesus spoke about this. What Jesus called this was the kingdom of the human age, when Jesus talked about it. He called this kingdom that we live in, ruled by man, good and evil decided by man, good and evil decided by man, not by God, called it the kingdom age. The Apostle Paul called this the age of sin and death. There's a specific, uh, there's a, there's a specific 
recognition of this human kingdom within the Bible. It's recognized within the Bible. There's a kingdom created by human beings, the kingdom of the human age, the kingdom of sin and death. And then there's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. I want to give you the answer to this second question here. Why did the kingdom of God matter most to Jesus? You guys ready for this answer? It should be up on the screen. I'll just read it to you. The kingdom of God is the reassertion of God's rule and reign over the kingdom of the human age, the age of sin and death. God's kingdom calls for a radical reorganization of what matters most in the human life according to the will of God. You see, because God loves us so much, he didn't just surrender to the war that human beings started with him. He didn't surrender to the rebellion against what God had established as good and evil and say, man, I'm done with you guys. But God in his love for us said, I'm going to reassert the kingdom, the hostile takeover that took place within the book of Genesis. You try to hijack what I had put in place, but I love you so much, I'm going to reassert, reassert the rule and the reign of God on earth through Jesus. So Jesus comes to the earth preaching the kingdom of God because what Jesus is doing is he's saying, hey, hold up, hold on a second. You guys are losing your minds without even saying it. I want to just say something to you. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. God is now back here on planet earth to reestablish his rule and his reign. His rule and his reign. And he does it through Jesus. But I want to tell you this because this is so powerful because we think of rule and we think of reign and you know you and, and guys you got to understand this this is why Jesus was killed. This is why he was killed. He wasn't killed because of the miracles that he did. He wasn't killed because of the people that he fed. Now that was social justice. That was awesome stuff. He was praised for that. Jesus was killed because he came preaching of a new kingdom that was coming to planet earth and the Romans and even the Jews were afraid of that. We got our own human. You're, you're coming into our human kingdom that we've created here. You're trying to establish something new. And this is what made the kingdom of God so separate from the kingdom of man. Matthew chapter 8, Jesus says, Whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Luke chapter 14, the kingdom of God is like a banquet to which the poor, the lame, the blind, the crippled get invited. That's what he said. And then he says this in Romans 14, the kingdom of God is not a matter of ritualistic rules about what you eat or what you drink. It's not that, but it's a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is turning the human kingdom upside down by what he's coming, what he came to earth to teach. See, I want you to get this. I want you to imagine a city of Sacramento humbled like a child. I want you to imagine an entire city. I want you to imagine our neighborhoods filled with people who have received the kingdom of God. Because let me just say this, the kingdom of God is here. It's here. It's for you to take. Jesus came. He brought it here through his teaching. He brought it here. It's like when we, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, on earth as it is in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where not just in heaven, on earth. 
That was the prayer Jesus taught the disciples to pray. His kingdom is here and it's for you. And so for those of you who hear the message of the kingdom, humble yourself like a child because heaven is filled with these humble little ones. Imagine a neighborhood filled with people who are humble. What would that do? What would that do to our city? And then in, in Matthew 18, when Jesus said, whoever, Luke 14, the kingdom of God is like a banquet, which the poor, the lame, the blind, the crippled get invited. Imagine a neighborhood. Imagine a community filled with people who really understood that, like the Apostle Paul did, which is why the Apostle Paul, when he taught the kingdom of God, said, everyone is welcome. It is open to all, unhindered. I'm not going to point out Oh, you, you listen to that music. Oh, you drink that. Or, oh, you smoke that. Oh, you believe that. That's ridiculous. That's religion. That's not the kingdom of God. Jesus said everyone is welcome. All the ones that are the outcasts in your society, those are the ones I want in my house at my party. That's what Jesus says. And this is the stuff that just got people upset. Because see, what that does, what the idea of humility being a pursuit of ours as human beings does is it threatens leadership and it threatens the idea of success. What this idea does of the poor, the lame, the blind being the most prominent people that you should have in your circle does is it, it shatters our view of social media and the way that we see a clout and success in our own life. It's like, no, I want to take a selfie with the movie star. No, I want people to know that I have big phone numbers in my book. Like, I, no, I want people to know who I'm rubbing shoulders with. And Jesus is like, it's the poor. It's the ones you have forgotten. It's the ones who are outside that no one's inviting in that are the ones that have the most value in the kingdom of heaven. And then in 14, the kingdom of God, it's not a matter of ritualistic rules. It's a matter of righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Imagine our neighborhoods filled with people who are filled with righteousness. Like, what does it mean to seek his righteousness? It just means seek God's way of doing life. You know, imagine our, our cities absent of, local, of the local church. If our cities did not have the local church, we would have no chance because what we do here on Sundays is we do everything we can to instill some idea and understanding of God's way of life so that you can share that with other people, so you can live that within your communities because that's the kingdom of heaven manifested on earth. Friends, stop waiting for that ticket to get out of here because so many of us are just waiting for the opportunity to get to heaven. Why? Not because we wanna be with God, but because we want a pain-free eternity. Your salvation is not in the, the, the idea of you living forever pain-free. Your salvation and eternity is dependent on the idea of whether or not you really want to be with God. Do you want to be with Him? Because He's righteous and He's holy. He's at peace and He's filled with joy. And Jesus said the kingdom of heaven has come here. And we're going to get into this idea, the reason why so many of us are not at peace, including myself. I, I struggle with anxiety. You guys know that. I've shared that with you. And Jesus 
talks about overcoming anxiety in his Sermon on the Mount. The biggest reason why so many of us are not at peace is because we're not taking hold of the kingdom of heaven that is right here for us to take hold of. The kingdom of heaven is filled with peace. It's filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus teach and proclaim the most in the Bible? Yes, the kingdom of God. Why did the kingdom of God matter most to Jesus? I want to read that again to you. The kingdom of God is the reassertion of God's rule and reign over the kingdom of the human age, the age of sin and death. And the kingdom of God calls for a radical reorganization of the way that we do life. It's what it calls for. Friends, it's yours for the taking. Believe it, receive it. And once again, Jesus published this 126 times in the gospel. Okay, in the gospels. It's so, there's so much more to this. I wish I could stand here for hours and day and night like the Apostle Paul. That's why the Apostle Paul had to teach day and night for two years straight. Because it's so, there's so much to this. But if you get just what I've said to you today, I think it will help you this week. Because we're in a battle of kingdoms still. You have a kingdom that you're not aware of. What is your kingdom? Your kingdom is the way that you want to see things done. That's your kingdom. And your kingdom is constantly being bombarded by other kingdoms called people. Those other kingdoms are coming against your king. And it's like Lord of the Rings, man. It's like bad. It's, it's a C.S. Lewis battle going on sometimes. But when you understand that Jesus came to demolish the kingdoms that we have put on earth, to reassert his idea of what is most important in life, you can be more forgiving. You can be more loving like Jesus was. You understand that concept of why Jesus taught about love. Because you understand that the people that irritate you the most are the ones you want to throw out. They're, the, they're, you would, they're your outcasts without you saying that. But Jesus says those ones that, that irritate you the most are the ones I want at my banquet. And if you can make that adjustment this week, as you go about your life and your, your work week and your day, interacting with certain people that bother you, the way they talk, the way they, what the music they listen to, this or whatever it is, it's just, it's just a little, it's a battle coming against your kingdom. And you could say, you know what? That person is an outcast in my kingdom because I don't like them. <laughs> so that means that that's the one Jesus would invite before me to the banquet. Come on, do you get that? You get that? Man, that will transform the way you do life, the way you do marriage, the way you raise your kids. It'll turn your world upside down because the kingdom of heaven calls for a radical reorganization of our values and the way that we do life. And that's why Jesus came to radically reorganize our thoughts about life according to the kingdom of heaven. And heaven comes to your family on earth. You don't got to wait to die to get there. Peace is in the home. Joy is in the home. Righteousness is in the home. There's love in the home because the kingdom of heaven has been established by those who have taken it.
thank you for this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to the innermost depths of our heart. God, hope and healing will come to our community. When each and every one of us, God, begin to demolish our own kingdom according to your will and your reign and resubmit all authority to you as king. God, I want that so bad in my life, in my friends' lives so that we can be everything that you've always desired for us to be.